Welcome to the Christ Walk Podcast. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. Enjoy the message. It really is. Um, I've had that in my head for a few months now. Um, Welcome, everybody. So good to see you guys. Uh, Day seven of 21 days of prayer and fasting. So congratulate yourself. You've made it through one week. Some of you have forgotten what a cheeseburger tastes like, um, or maybe you've forgotten what coffee or Mountain Dew is like or whatever, but there's two more weeks to go. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Keep, keep pushing through. Keep going strong. Um, I, the Lord's really been working in my life, and so if you're, if you're not a part of this uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting with us, if you haven't jumped on, there's no time like the present. Jump in today. Get involved. We'll see you on Facebook Live for prayer tomorrow at 1215 on your lunch break, and you can find out all the information you need on our website thechristwalk.com slash pray. Um, just jump right in with us, uh, with us today and, and finish out these last two weeks. Um, and so I'm excited about what God's gonna continue to do in and through our lives as we pursue him. And I'm excited about today and, and uh, part three of our series, Worst Day Ever. And so if you've got your Bible or you've got a smart device, I wanna encourage you to um, open with me or, or maybe swipe with me to um, the Old Testament, the Bible's divided up into these two big sections. You got the Old Testament up front and then the New Testament towards the back of the Bible. And so we've been spending some time in the Old Testament in a book called Second Samuel. It's actually just one big book of Samuel that when it got put into the Bible, it was so big that they split it in two. So you've got First Samuel and Second Samuel. And so we've been spending some time in Second Samuel. And we are going to pick up right where we left off from last week in Second Samuel chapter 6. 16, and we're going to start today with verse 5 and continue on from there. So we'll be there in just a moment. So I read a story this week about a guy named John. And John was on his way home from work one evening, and he saw a guy on the side of the road with his thumb in the air. And so he decided that he was going to pull over and give this guy a ride to his destination. And so John pulls the car over and and the hitchhiker gets in and they start on down the road. And John's initial observation, his initial judgment of this guy was, was somewhat favorable. But the longer they were in the car together, John just began to get more and more uncomfortable. And so he, he thought that he was just going to check on something really quick. His coat was laying on the seat in between them. And he remembered that his, his wallet, he often kept in the pocket of that coat. So very discreetly, as they're driving down the road, he reached over to see and to be sure that his wallet was still there, only to find out that it was in fact missing. And so enraged with anger, John slammed on the brakes and he pulls the car over. He ordered his passenger to get out of the car and he demanded, hand over the billfold now. So the hitchhiker was somewhat startled and frantic and handed over a wallet to him and and John slammed the door and sped off, burning rubber, leaving the hitchhiker in his rear view pulled into his driveway, went inside to where his wife was preparing dinner and he was standing there in the kitchen and he was just about to tell her the story of everything that had transpired when she interrupted and said, hey, did you know that you left your wallet laying on the dresser at home before you went to work today? Has anybody ever been accused of something that you weren't? You've been accused of doing something that you didn't do. You've you've been accused of being something that you, you weren't, in fact. 
Maybe a teacher at school accused you of being a cheater once upon a time, or maybe a friend accused you of being a liar. Perhaps a, a boss has accused you of being a lazy worker or a store owner has accused you of being a thief. Maybe even your own spouse has accused you once upon a time of being selfish. Or maybe it's even a label that has been placed on you in the form of some sort of name calling. Maybe you've lived your life under the label of fat or dumb, ugly, stupid, queer, loser. Whoever said that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me was a liar. Because the truth is, words hurt, right? Words have power and words can hurt us. They can destroy us if we will allow them to. And for some reason, I've noticed that we tend to place a great deal of trust in the words and the opinions of others, many of whom we don't even know on a personal level. Like, for example, if, if, we're, if we're trying to decide where are we going to go out to eat tonight and we can't figure out anything, we'll open up a, an app on our phone called Yelp and we'll scroll through and we will take the advice of a random stranger and we'll believe whatever they say about the restaurant that we thought we were going to go to, but no, they just gave it one star, so we probably don't want to go there. They were there a week ago, and their food was cold, and the service was terrible. Let's pick somewhere else. Or, or we'll get on Amazon, and, and we're looking to see what kind of product we're going to buy, and we're trying to determine which one. And, and we, will, we will make the decision not to buy something because Ricky439 says it's no good. He said, when he got it, it arrived and the box was damaged and it broke down after a week. And so don't waste your money. And so because of Ricky 439, anybody know Ricky 439? Yeah, I don't either. But we'll let him decide what we're going to buy on Amazon. Or it's just one comment on, on Facebook or Instagram that can either make or break our day. We put a great amount of weight into the words and opinions of other people. And over the course of time, we will allow these opinions or, or the accusations or the hurtful words that others use, we'll, we'll let them spill over into the way that we view ourselves and the way that we live our lives. Many times these, these opinions and accusations, they're, they're simply a result of a skewed perspective coming from someone that doesn't know or understand the whole story. And today we're in part three of a series that we're calling Worst Day Ever, where we're taking a look at a day in the life of a guy from the Old Testament named David in the hopes of learning some principles from his story, mining out some truths from his experience that we can apply to our own lives to help us be able to cope whenever we experience a bad day or a bad season. And David was the most heralded king in the history of Israel. He wrote the majority of the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. And, and the Bible even refers to David as a man after God's own heart. But despite all of those things, David still experienced his fair share of drama, turmoil, and pain. And two weeks ago, at the beginning of this series, we talked about how bad days will often start with bad news. We learned that bad news is rarely as bad as we believe that it is when we first hear it. And that whenever bad news comes our way, we've got some choices, that, but that, that we, don't have to, we don't have to look at the facts. We don't have to give in to our fears, but instead we can lean into our faith in the middle of a bad day 
or a bad season. And last week, we talked about how bad days or bad seasons can often provide insights for us in regard to the kinds of relationships that God wants for our lives. And, and we, we likened these relationships to milk, matches, and magnets. We learned that the relationships are like milk, matches, and magnets. And, and, and we learned how, how God wants to use each of those kinds of relationships to either propel us toward or to help us endure the next season that he has in store for us. And today we're gonna spend some time talking about words, the power of words, particularly the negative and harmful ones and the way that they have an impact on us. There's no doubt that probably everyone in this room, or at least the majority of us, have had a bad day simply because of what someone else said to us or said about us at some point. And it's in the midst of these bad seasons and these, these bad days that we experience and, and what we would identify as the worst moments of our life, it's in the middle of this that I believe God can take these worst moments and turn them into his best moments. And that's what this series is all about. And so today, before we jump into our passage and continue reading this story of David, I'd like to give everyone a recap so that we can all catch up together and be on the same page. Two weeks ago, we started out this series and we learned that David, he was the king of Israel and that everything was just hunky-dory. It was going fine all up until one day he received news from a messenger that his son Absalom, who was a terrible person, and you can go back and you can read Absalom's story in the chapters leading up to 2 Samuel 15, that David's son Absalom had decided to make a play for his father's throne to take over as king of Israel and that his plan was to have his father David killed. And so David then goes into scramble mode and he gathers the people and the supplies that he can and, and he tries to get out of town as quickly as possible. So he's traveling with this, this entourage of his most trusted associates and they manage to escape the palace and to escape Jerusalem unscathed and they finally get to a place of safety. And so it's there that David stops and he's, he's trying to get a head count of everyone that's with him and see what supplies they were able to procure and then to develop a plan of action for them to move forward. And it was at that point that he realized one of his most trusted, his closest friend, Mephibosheth, was nowhere to be found. And David learned that Mephibosheth, instead of coming with him, had actually stayed back in Jerusalem and had allegedly switched allegiances from David and was now pledging allegiance to Absalom as the new king of Israel. And so from there, David took the head count, got the supplies, developed the plan of action, and he and his band of associates began to pursue their destination toward the Jordan River. And to get there, they had to travel through a village called Bahurim. I feel like we're in like the Lord of the Rings or something, you know, when I say Bahurim, it's a really fun word to say. So uh, let's pick up together in 2 Samuel chapter 16, and we're gonna start with verse five today. 2 Samuel 16, verse five. My Bible reads this way. As King David came to Bahurim, a man came out and cursed him. He was from Saul's family group, and his name was Shimei, son of Gera. He threw stones at David and his officers, but the people and soldiers gathered all around David. Shimei cursed David, saying, Get out, get out, you murderer, you troublemaker. The Lord is punishing you for the people in Saul's family you killed. 
You took Saul's place as king, but now the Lord has given the kingdom to your son Absalom. Now you are ruined because you are a murderer. And Abishai, son of Zeruiah, said to the king, why should this dead dog curse you, the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. But the king answered, this does not concern you, sons of Zeruiah. If, if he is cursing me because the Lord told him to, who can question him? Verse 11, David also said to Abishai and all his officers, my own son is trying to kill me. This man is a Benjaminite and has more right to kill me. Leave him alone and let him curse me because the Lord told him to do this. Maybe the Lord will see my misery and will repay me with something good for Shimei's curses today. So David and his men went on down the road, but Shimei followed on the nearby hillside. He kept cursing David and throwing stones and dirt at him. Verse 14, when the king and all his people arrived at the Jordan, they were very tired, so they rested there. Now, when I look at this passage and as we begin to dissect it, I, I think that there are three particular truths or principles that I see that we can apply to our lives whenever we might be facing our worst day ever. And these, these are three things that we either need to, to know, to understand, or something that we need to do in order to be able to cope when harsh words come our way. And, and if you're taking notes, I wanna encourage you to write these three things down. And the first one is this. First, one, first thing is that we need to understand that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. So here's what's going on. We've got this guy, Shimei, and he's, he's throwing literal stones along with cursing and, and calling names and passing blame. Talk about a recipe for a bad day, right? And we, we read in our passage that Shimei was part of the tribe and the family of Saul. And Saul, you may remember, he was Israel's first king. But he made some really poor choices that went against God and, and against the things that God wanted him to do, the way that he wanted him to live, the way that he wanted him to lead. And so, so God removed the throne from Saul and, and not just Saul, but he kept it out of his bloodline. He didn't pass down to his children. And instead, he, he gave the throne to David instead. So, so not only did Saul have the throne taken away from him, but his, his son or his grandson and on and on, they would not have right to the throne either. And, and at the time that this passage took place, David, he's been the king for at least 20 years so far, maybe even more. And so Shimei has been carrying the hurt of, of Saul, a person in his family, having the kingdom torn away from him. He's been carrying this hurt in his life and, and he's had it on his heart for the better part of two decades. And so when he sees David traveling through his village, that hurt and that pain begins to bubble to the surface and eventually erupts out of him just like a volcano in the form of, of insults and name calling and accusations and the throwing of literal rocks and dirt. And so how many, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, he's, he's hurling uh, rocks and insults and blame, but the problem is, is that Shimei doesn't know the whole story of what has taken place. It, it wasn't David that 
killed Saul. It wasn't David that removed the throne from Saul's bloodline. It wasn't David that decided that he should be king. It wasn't David that asked for any of this. David was just simply responding to the word of God in his life and and being obedient to what God had called him to. And, And so now he's being repaid in this manner for simply just being obedient to the Lord. And how many of you know that whenever we take a stand to, to be obedient to the Lord and we follow after his word, that that's often the time that the critics start to come out of the woodwork. When we try to change our life, when we try to live a life that honors God, that's when people start to throw stones at us. That's when, that's when people that, that we thought were our friends begin to distance themselves from us and, and keep us at arm's length. That's when, that's when people start to say negative things. They start to question us or they start to, to challenge us. They, they say hurtful things about us because just like Shimei, they are unaware of the full story that is taking place. And see, the reason that Shimei was, was so upset was because he believed that David had usurped Saul's throne and that he had taken something from Saul that wasn't rightfully his. And now that Absalom was attempting to do the same, Shimei believed that David was finally getting exactly what he deserved. And there was no way that Shimei even wanted to be in the same village or breathing the same air as someone like David. But the accusations that Shimei was making, they weren't even true. Shimei was talking about the the people that that Saul and the people of Saul's family that David had killed. But there was actually a time you may remember when David had the chance to kill Saul. David was hiding in a cave and Saul came in. He was traveling with with some of his army and he came in to relieve himself. And as Saul was going to the bathroom, David snuck up behind him and he he cut off a piece of, of fabric off of his coat. And later on, he held it up to show Saul, look, I could have killed you, but I chose not to because I refused to lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. And then last week, we talked about this guy, Mephibosheth, who was Saul's grandson. And and David discovers that he's alive and and, and he sends for him to come and, and he could have had him killed, but instead of killing him, he invites him to come and live at the palace and to eat from the king's table as one of the king's own sons. So the things that Shimei was saying, they were, they were completely off base. There wasn't any truth about them. And when you and I, when we experience these kinds of things in our life, when, when someone flies off the handle in a conversation and begins to hurl false accusations our way, we can almost always trace their behavior and the things that they are saying back to a time when they were hurt in their life, when they were, when they were hurt by being overlooked or invalidated or mistreated. And that's how Shimei felt. He felt that because the, the throne had been taken away from someone in his family, that, that, that his family was being overlooked and that, that as a part of Saul's family, as a part of the royal bloodline, that, that he was invalidated and that, that somehow because of what David had done now as king, that it was, it was causing his family to be mistreated. And so he was hurt and he'd carried that hurt for 20 plus years. And that's where these words, that's where all of this pain and everything was coming from. And the fact of the matter is, is that just because somebody, the things that they say about us or say to us aren't true, that doesn't mean that it still doesn't hurt or leave wounds. Author Seth Godin, he he said this, he said, people don't believe what you tell them. They rarely believe what you show them. They often believe what their friends tell them. They always believe what they tell themselves. 
And Shimei had made up his mind that David was the reason for all of the pain that he and his family had experienced over the past two decades. And hurt people hurt people. So I, I wonder though if, if it might be possible if, if maybe the next time something like this happens to us and, and someone in our lives is, is hurling insults and accusations our way, if, if instead of absorbing those insults and, and taking those things to heart, that instead we could use those insults to, to identify the hurt that has taken place in the life of the other person. And then I wonder if, if maybe it's possible that, that we could take a negative situation and maybe turning it into something positive simply by choosing to recognize that hurt people hurt people. And that as those people throw stones at us, rather than using those rocks to build barriers, instead we would build bridges that would allow us to, to make a way to extend the love and the light and the life and the hope of Jesus Christ to them, to the ones that are causing the hurt toward us. But that'll only happen if, if we first recognize that hurt people are the ones that hurt people. And that through that, God can open a door for us to be able to minister to someone else. If we'll come to that realization in our life. So the first thing is the, rec the realization, hurt people hurt people. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number two, we got to limit who we listen to. Limit who you listen to. So you've got Shimei and he's cursing and he's throwing rocks at David and saying all kinds of terrible things, making all these accusations. And then this guy Abishai, who is in, in David's entourage, he's, he's essentially the equivalent of the king's bodyguard. He comes to David with a very, we'll say, interesting proposal. He essentially asks David, hey, dude, are you gonna allow this guy to talk to you this way? Like, you're the king, Right? Are you gonna allow him? Are you gonna stand here and let him say these kinds of things to you? You just say the word, David, and I'll go over there and I'll cut his head off right now. And David's like, whoa, bro. Like, cut back on the Red Bull, you know? He's like, let's reel this in just a little bit. Like, like it's, it's yes, like the things that he's saying are, they're untrue, they're off base. Like, he shouldn't be talking to me like that, but, but, but let's, let's reel this in. And, and, and David's like, David's like, look, my own son wants me dead, okay? My own son is trying to kill me. And, and this guy was a Benjamite, and, and a, a Benjaminite, and it's, it's clear the reasons why he was hurt. It's clear why he feels like this has happened to his family and that I'm the cause of it. And so I understand, I can understand where he's coming from. So the best thing that we can do is just to leave him alone. Don't pay him any attention. Don't pay him any attention. Ultimately, what David is saying this, it's a, it's a, it's a truth or a principle that we've all heard before. He's saying, don't stoop to someone else's level. Don't stoop to his level. See, notice what Abishai suggested in our passage. Abishai tells David, he says, let me go over and cut off his head. See, Shimei wasn't even on the same pathway that David and his friends were. David and his friends, they were on the road and, and Shimei, he's up on the hillside on, a, on an entirely different path. And and. And even though his accusations were unwarranted, even though they weren't true, they were off base, 
To, to go and, and cut off his head would mean that they would have to leave where they were, the path that they were on, the place that they were headed to, and they would have to shift their focus from their destination over to, to Shimei, and that they would have to get off course, and, and they would have to, have to forsake their destination to focus on something else. And, and killing Shimei, it wouldn't have solved anything. It wouldn't have helped the situation. In fact, it would have made it much, much worse in the long run. And whenever there's a situation like this in, in your life, when someone is throwing stones and they're, they're hurling accusations and insults at you, the temptation is always going to be there for you to retaliate. Now, it, it may come in the form of, of maybe a friend that is close by that's saying, hey, you need to go over there and you need to put them in their place. You need to tell them what's what. Or maybe it's a voice in your head, or maybe it's like, you know, in the, in the movies or in the cartoons, you know, you got the angel on one shoulder and the, the devil on the other shoulder, and you know, you're fighting back and forth. But whatever the reason, like, there is going to be that temptation tugging at you to get back at that person, to act out in retaliation. And you know what? If you give into it, it's going to feel good. Like to just like a, a, a scorching burn just hurled back at them, like, like a well-placed word of wit just to, to put them in their place and to get them to shut up and just make them feel the pain that they're causing you to feel. It's, it would feel great, but let me just tell you, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's in situations like this that, that you and I, we've got to remember this principle. Never sacrifice your class to get even with someone who has none. Allow them to remain in the gutter. You take the high road. Mark Twain put it this way. He said, never argue with stupid people. They'll just drag you down to their level and then beat you with all their experience. <laughs> and so not only should we not retaliate, which is difficult enough in and of itself, but, but there's a, the, another truth here as well, another principle that, that we can mine out. And, and not only should we, we be careful not to stoop to someone else's level, but when faced with criticism, we should seek to discover if there could be any truth in what the person is saying at all. Like notice that David admits, he says, hey, it, it's possible that the Lord is the one that's directing Shimei's attack on me. He also recognizes that the Lord might be bringing about some blessing as a result of his gracious enduring of Shimei's harsh words without seeking retaliation. And look, this is, this is near impossible to do because I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but when somebody says something mad about me, I'm, uh, bad about me, I'm not looking for the truth in it. I'm looking for the way that I can get back. I'm looking for the way that, like searching for the chink in their armor so that I can boom, you know, with the uppercut, just put them back in their place and get them to shut their mouth, let alone be looking for the truth in what they might be saying. But we gotta remember that even in the midst of a tough situation, even in the midst of a, a bad day or a bad season, that, that we gotta keep our minds and our hearts and our lives open to what God may be wanting to communicate to us and how he may be wanting to work on our lives. Pastor Tim Keller says it like this. He says, first, you should look to see if there's a kernel of truth, even in the most exaggerated and unfair broadsides. So even if the censure is partly or even largely mistaken, look for what you may indeed have done wrong. Perhaps you simply acted or spoke in a way that wasn't circumspect. Maybe the critic is partly right, but for the wrong reasons. Nevertheless, identify your own shortcomings. Repent in your own heart before the Lord for what you can and allow that to humble you. 
It will then be possible to learn from the criticism and stay gracious to the critic, even if you have to disagree with what he or she has said. And if you and I will choose to respond in this way toward criticism when it rears its ugly head in our lives, the Lord can use it as an opportunity for our growth. If instead of choosing to retaliate, we'll take the high road, we won't pay any attention to the people that are blasting us. And, 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 and in the midst of those insults and accusations, those harmful words that come our way, if we'll seek to find, is there any nuggets of truth that maybe the Lord is wanting to use to help us grow? If we will do that, it will not only change our perspective, but it will change our place. And God will use it to develop us as a person and make us better in the long run it's going to require us to understand that hurt people hurt people, and then we've got a limit to who we listen to. And the third thing is this. Third thing, we got to scotch guard our soul. Scotch guard your soul. Now, that's something kind of weird to say, maybe, so let me explain what I mean. In case you aren't familiar with scotch guard, You've never heard that word before. You're not familiar with the, the product. It's, it's a product that was developed by the 3M company and it, it's applied to fabrics and floor coverings to increase their durability. And according to the official Scotch Guard website, there is such a thing. <laughs> I looked it up. The product provides three main safeguards. Number one, it repels spills on the surface so that they beat up rather than soaking in. Number two, it resists dirt and grime from adhering to the fibers of the fabric. And number three, it protects the fibers from top to bottom and everywhere in between. So if you and I will choose to scotch guard our soul, that the idea here is that we can put our position or put ourselves in a position so that when insults and when false accusations and, and when harmful words come our way, that, that we won't allow them to destroy us, that, that instead of soaking into our heart, they're just gonna beat up on the top and instead of causing dirt and grime to, to make their way in, like it, it's gonna resist and repel that and that, that we, can, we can live our lives in such a way that will, will protect our heart from those harmful words that people are wanting to hurl at us so they will have no effect on us. And I know what you might be thinking, like, hey, bro, that sounds great on paper. But man, when somebody says something to you, someone says something about you that's not true, it's hurtful, like, it, it wounds. So like, how do I do that? Like, how do I scotch guard my soul? Well, it just so happens that the Bible actually talks about this in Proverbs chapter four. Verses 23 through 27, it says this. The author writes, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. And then the following verses tell you how to do that. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked and keep your feet from following evil. See, in the, in the moment when David faced such harsh criticism from Shimei, this is how he chose to live. This is how he chose to respond. David kept his eyes on his own path and he continued to move towards his destination. He didn't allow what someone else was saying about him 
saying to him, was doing to him. He didn't allow that to get him off track. He focused on the Jordan River and that's where he headed and that's where he took the people that were around him. The Bible tells us, I love this part of the story. The Bible tells us that when he got there, he and the people that were with him, they rested. They rested. See, when we choose to live this way, we're not gonna have any trouble sleeping at night. We're not gonna lay down in bed, our head on our pillow, tossing and turning, worrying about the names that we've been called or the things that others have said about us, the things that they've accused us with. So you and I, we've got to get to the place where we refuse to allow someone that cannot see our value to determine what we think we're worth. And even if what someone else is saying about us is true, we have to keep our head held high and and continue to pursue the calling that God has placed in our lives. We can't let what anyone else says about our past rob us of the future that we have in Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, we gotta remember that it's not about us. It's not about what we've done. It's not about who we are. It's about Christ and what he has done for us and who he and his word says that we are. Thank you for joining us. We hope you were inspired by the message. For more information, visit www.thechristwalk.com.